Welcome to another MLEX podcast. Great to have your company again. My name's James Panicki. I'm MLEX's Australasian Managing Editor, and I'm coming to you from our offices in Melbourne, Australia. A couple of weeks ago, we previewed the IAPP Global Summit in Washington with our colleague Mike Swift. On that occasion, we suggested that the GDPR would dominate discussions. The GDPR, of course, is the General Data Protection Regulation, the EU's new data protection and privacy rules, which are having an impact well beyond the 28 member states of the European Union. But was that forecast right? Bear in mind, of course, that we said all of that before the Cambridge Analytica Facebook scandal had broken. So I'm going to put that very question to the two MLEX journalists who were in Washington, Vesela Gladicheva and Amy Miller, who join me now respectively from London and San Francisco. Hello to both of you. Hi, James. Hi, James. Amy, let's start from you. What did you see as the big theme of this, uh, of this conference? Well, the big theme of the conference was, of course, cross-border data transfers. Um, But on the U.S. side, they had a lot of issues that they were covering. Uh, Biometric technology, what's happening uh, with U.S. states when it comes to privacy. They were discussing the likelihood of, of, of data security legislation being passed. But there were a lot of asides and and repeated mentions to Cambridge Analytica and and Facebook's woes as a result. And one of the more popular speakers, not surprisingly, was uh, Facebook's deputy chief privacy officer, Rob Sherman, who who talked about what happened. Vesler, in just a couple of words, what were the big themes for you? How did things pan out as far as you could tell? Well, James, um, as expected, the EU's uh, GDPR was at the center of numerous discussions at the IAPP, not least because of the looming May 25th implementation deadline. So there was uh, discussions around uh, the various requirements companies will need to observe uh, under the GDPR, uh, discussions around the myths around the GDPR, and many more uh, parts of of the, the new legislation. Okay, Amy, now we'll get on to Facebook in just a moment. I know it's the the big uh, topic of conversation at the moment. But as we said in our conference preview, uh, for the most part, US regulators weren't there. So they didn't show up. Now, remind us why that was and how that affected the, uh, the tenor of the debate. Yes, there was a there was a striking absence of U.S. regulators um, at the conference, and that's largely because the uh, Federal Trade Commission, the new commissioners, haven't been confirmed yet uh, by Congress. So it's sort of in a an in between phase. But uh, that was the case last year as well. Um, some of the FTC commissioners said they couldn't come last year because they had scheduling conflicts and things like that. So people were sort of left wondering what the U.S. regulators. Are going to make of all of this um, at this point. But for right now, we just don't know what they think. But one person who did show up was Rob Sherman, Facebook's Deputy Chief Privacy Counsel. He spoke and gave his explanation as to what, uh, what went wrong. What were you able to glean from those statements? He was a good speaker. Uh, he was very forthright and um, he, he 
had this room, an audience full of people that were there just to see him. And we thought, oh, no, you know, he might duck the duck the questions and just try to do a, a typical conference uh, discussion. But he said, no, I know why you guys are here, and I'm just going to get right to the point. And he said that basically back in 2009, uh, Facebook decided to give people access to data on the site because that's what people wanted back then. The discussions were focused on data portability and interoperability, and people didn't want data locked down. And he said, but then in about 2014, they realized that wasn't the right approach. This sort of optimistic view of the world never really came to pass. And so they changed their uh, app policies to restrict apps access to user data. But by that time, Cambridge Analytica had already harvested the data that it wanted. And so he was making the point that Facebook did not go back and look at its policies, privacy policies, the way it should have, even though perceptions of privacy and the types of data that people were willing to have harvested, I guess is the way to put it, uh, from their Facebook account had changed. So said so that was their mistake, just not going back and, and looking at their previous privacy decisions and reevaluating them. So their mistake, in other words, was not to update uh, and to revisit their approach. Now, things have developed quite fast since you were in Washington. Uh, how have these developments uh, affected uh, the state of play as far as you can tell? Well, uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, w- had a press call today, and he said that actually, instead of 50 million people's information being shared without their permission, it was more like 87 million people. And he echoed, Zuckerberg echoed a lot of Sherman's statements that uh, took a real big mea culpa. It, it's our fault. We didn't go back and look at our policies the way that we should have and reevaluate them as things changed. Um, and he also uh, laid out a lot of their more recent changes that they've um, adapted to the social network. All this points to the fact that Rob Sherman was uh, was on message when he was speaking in Washington. And Vesela, EU regulators have a lot to say about American online pra- platforms at the best of times. So I'm guessing that they were reasonably verbal on the whole uh, Cambridge Analytica affair, right? Um, Yes, indeed. Um, I think all of the regulators uh, representing um, national uh, privacy authorities in the EU uh, made comments um, about the revelations, uh, which were mainly um, quite broad, um, also touching on general uh, themes such as democracy um, and and users' control over their privacy. Um, So to take an example, uh, Andrei Jelinek, uh, who is uh, Austria's uh, uh, data privacy regulator and who recently assumed the uh, role of a chairwoman of um, an umbrella group of national privacy regulators in the EU, uh, she pointed out um, to the billions of dollars that Facebook had, had lost in market value since, since the scandal um, became public. Um, and she made the observation that if Facebook had uh, spent uh, more money on protecting um, the personal data it, it, it held uh, on people, its stock price might not have plummeted so precipitously. Um, other regulators, such as uh, Isabella Falca Pierrotin uh, from France, uh, called for greater transparency, saying uh, this very complex digital ecosystem obeys unknown rules. Um, and from Ireland, we heard from uh, Helen Dixon um, that Facebook um, had questions to answer uh, about how it didn't tell the public when it learned in, in 2015 
uh, that uh, Cambridge Analytica had harvested uh, uh, user data without without permission. Okay, so this brings us finally to the scheduled topic of conversation, the GDPR. Vesela, what were the pressing questions on that front? Well, the debate zoomed in on, on how regulators and companies uh, are aligning their systems for the GDPR. Uh, there were lots of uh, questions from, from the audience after each panel uh, as people sought assurances from, from regulators um, about whether they are um, heading in the, in, in the right direction in terms of implementing the, the regulation. Um, so uh, there were pressing questions around the significant fines that uh, national regulators will have the power to impose uh, on serious infringements. We're talking um, about up to 4% uh, percent of annual uh, global turnover of companies uh, or up to 20 million um, euros. So there were questions around, also around the breadth of the GDPR, um, how it would apply beyond the shores um, of the EU to companies um, based outside the EU, in the US or elsewhere. Um, there were questions uh, around obligations to report data breaches within a very strict timeline, 72 hours. Um, and also questions around conflict uh, with sort of local obligations uh, um, in, in outside the EU. And, and Vesla, what were the EU regulators' main messages for companies in the final stretch of preparations uh, for the GDPR? What what should those companies be doing? What should they be focusing all of their energy on now that there's uh, just a month and a, and a bit uh, left to go? One of the main messages that regulators stressed um, uh, was around ongoing dialogue uh, between regulators and, and businesses uh, about how they are handling people's uh, personal data. Um, they said that that would help companies understand how enforcers uh, see the application of the GDPR principles. Um, and they also said that more communication will also break down distrust between the two sides. Um, another message um, was that companies should uh, focus on uh, meeting obligations uh, to be more transparent, uh, both with customers and regulators about how they uh, process personal information. Um, and uh, regulators also said, perhaps unhelpfully to an extent, that they won't be issuing specific guidance um, on, on different data processing activities in different industries. So, so companies in uh, various sectors uh, uh, will need to work out um, how exactly to adapt the GDPR to their own operations. And so much for the EU. Amy, what's the state of play in the US on this front? I mean, I realize there weren't many data security regulators from the US uh, speaking at the conference, uh, but does that mean that we shouldn't be expecting any national data security legislation anytime soon? Well, I wouldn't get too hopeful about it, at least happening this year. Um, there was an, a Senate aide to one of the more prominent Republicans uh, in the Senate who was giving his analysis of what are the chances of data national data security legislation passing. You know, they've been talking about it for years and years, and it's just never happened. And, um, you know, it, this is a, a midterm election year in the U.S., and so they were saying, don't expect it to happen this year. It's really unlikely that they're going to be able to pass any sort of 
legislation uh, in the middle of an election year. But he said that senators, U.S. senators, are having conversations with uh, stakeholders, quote unquote, and they've been productive. And he said the Senate is close to having an agreement on legislation that that could have a, a good chance of advancing. So he wasn't um, uh, completely pessimistic, but uh, it's going to take some time and some effort. And Amy, was there any mention of the Cloud Act? Now, um, before you launch into this, just remind listeners what we're talking about. We're not talking about meteorological legislation. We're talking about something quite different. Yes, yes. Uh, The Cloud Act... uh is uh, legislation that allows U.S. law enforcement officials to demand data from digital companies and provides for bilateral cross-border agreements. It was signed into law as part of a federal spending bill on March 23rd without any debate. Um, And Apple's Jane Horvath, who is the Senior Director of Privacy, likes the act. She thinks it's a promising solution to help resolve tensions uh, with foreign law enforcement authorities seeking to get evidence. Uh, They have to go through a very convoluted mutual legal assistance treaty process to get data. It can take up to two years, and it causes a lot of tension between governments and and companies. And so she was saying that this this bill is actually going to help reverse that trend. But uh, on the other flip side of that, there have been a lot of people who have been critical of the act because they think it's going to give too much power to the hands of the U.S. president, uh, denies Congress an oversight role that they've always had, uh, and um, they're also worried that, you know, foreign governments would be allowed to wiretap individuals in the U.S. without meeting the requirements of, of, of federal law. So groups like the American Civil Liberties Union, the Amnesty International, and a couple of senators have, have raised some concerns about that. But Tech companies really seem to like it, and I think Brad Smith from Microsoft has come out in favor of it, saying, you know, he thinks this is a good place to start. But they both sort of couch that in language of, you know, the devil is in the details. Um, so we'll we'll see how it all comes out. But so far, tech companies are in favor of it, but a lot of people have apprehensions. Okay, look, thank you very much. That's all we have time for. Thank you guys uh, for helping us to recap on the IAPP Global Summit. Sounds like a great experience, certainly valuable for our subscribers to have you there on the ground. Thanks again. Thank you, you, James. Vesela Gladicheva is MNEX's senior correspondent who covers telecoms, media and technology. She's based in London. Amy Miller is a senior correspondent covering privacy and data security, and she's based in San Francisco. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Don't forget that there are plenty more where this one came from. Just go to the Insight Center tab at mnextmarketinsight.com and look for the list of podcasts. And you can read Vessel and Amy's wrap of the IAPP conference at the links connected to this uh, very podcast. I'm James Panicki, and from a warm yet slightly autumnal Melbourne, Australia, thank you very much for your company. See you again soon. Bye for now.